This is Joe Costello's WFO Radio Ignition. Covering everything that has wheels, an engine, and a driver. The reason I race is to get the chicks. You know what I mean? <laughs> NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, sports cars, and NHRA drag racing. Hey, guys. Just want to let you know, WFO Rock. WFO Radio is total motorsports. It's just so cool. Fasten your seatbelts. Fire up the ignition and drop the hammer. Yeah, let's do it. Now, here's your host, Joe Costello. Hey, everybody. WFO Radio is back on the air. Ignition. After a little bit of a pause for the 4th of July weekend, we had ourselves a great time. WFO, hopefully you're great out there. All you podcast listeners, audio-only experience. Oh, yes. And don't get me wrong, we'll have our Patreon co-hosts. They'll be jumping on here soon. We'll see everybody out there. Talk 4th of July. Talk Ferrari F1. A tremendous victory. Carlos Sainz, first victory in Formula One. Gets a huge win out there in Silverstone. Great race for the most part. A win is always a great race. We'll talk about it. Also, NASCAR. Out there at Road America. How great was that? Good times. Tyler Riddick picking up his first win. We'll get into all of that. Lots to talk about on the uh, NHRA Nitro show with Alan Reinhardt. I referenced, you know, the passing of uh, one of the, you know, was it a radio mentor? Was it somebody that worked around and observed? Hank Goldberg passed away and uh, it's causing a ripple. It's causing a bit of a ripple in the sports radio world. And so today, seeing a lot of the tributes and hearing a lot of the tributes and hearing a lot of the response, of course, we have to respond. WFO is not, I don't even know if it's known to the South Florida sports talk community. I don't think it is, honestly. I kind of snuck off doing my own thing. I was in there, and then I got out of there, and now I'm here, and I'm doing this, and this is great. But we still have opinions about all our great uh, friends and former broadcasters and people we worked with and around and that were helpful to us or not helpful to us or, you know, villains, enemies, all of that. But hearing all the discussion about Hank Goldberg has kind of gotten the juices flowing again. Like, oh, yeah, that guy and this guy and that guy. And remember that? Remember this? I heard, uh, you know, Eddie Kaplan's name thrown out there. I heard a bunch of people's names thrown out there today. And so that brings me back to a time. So we'll talk about it as well. You know, Hank Goldberg. I've heard him referred to as a good guy or a bad guy. You know, I treat people. I, I, I know when people are bad people. And when good people are good people. And then you catch him all the other times in between. And it all depends, right? Did that person deserve that? We just don't know it. But we'll get into all of that. The Patreons will be on. We'll talk about a little Miami sports talk. Phil DeMamalan is going to be on. People are like, wow, Phil D is going to be on. Who is that? Who's Phil? Same deal. South Florida sports, sports radio, nerd, same era. WFO Insider really helped us get this thing going during a critical time. And uh, has excellent insight into the life and the career of Hank, but also the South Florida talk radio wars that are becoming so popular. So popular. Everybody's talking about it. Let's bring on Giovanni in Miami. No, let me tell you before I bring on Gio. Let me tell you about these people. Because honestly, they're the most important people in my whole life. The sponsors. They're the ones that make it possible for me to have this. Uh, you know, radio-like podcast where I reach out to an audience and tell them what I think. And most of the time it's about racing, but every once in a while I get in a nice shot on something. 
like FTI performance transmissions and torque converters. These guys are building the transmissions and torque converters that are winning the lion's share of races out there. Big money bracket races, dot 90 races, Paul Lee and his company, the land Florida is where they are based. If you are serious about your racing, FTI performance transmissions and torque converters are the transmissions and torque converters you need and VP racing fuels. They had a big sale on lubricants. The sale is over, but the lubricants are still worthy of you paying full price. VPRacingFuels.com, VP Racing Fuels in general. Go to the website, find out more information. Total seal piston rings. I am working on, like after we finish right here, I'm working on an episode of Hidden Horsepower with Charlie Garrett, who's over 80 years old, engine builder, former drag racer, Pennsylvania, sprint car engine builder. It's great. You're going to love it. Because, and you know, Hank was 82, right? Like once you, you've been around 80 years, you have so much experience. You know so much. But it's, uh, it's interesting how that all works. TotalSeal.com. Keith Jones is going to be the co-host. Recorded one earlier today with Lake Speed Jr. Had a great time. You're going to love them all. Go to TotalSeal.com. Phillips-Connect. Smart trailer technology. Not really for your trailer. More for R&L Carrier's trailers. For Amazon's trailers. For Walmart's trailers. But if you're in the transportation industry, you can benefit. Go to phillips-connect.com to find out more information. A little bit later on in the show, I'll tell you about samtech.edu. Of course, Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School and Marvin Rodax, coffeeandgrills.com. See, there it is. Ticked off the sponsors, made them feel the love that I feel so greatly for them. And now we can get into the meat of the show. We'll bring on Giovanni in Miami, who is there for it all. What's up, Gio? All right. Oh, look at you. You got your Morris Motorsports t-shirt on. I didn't even notice that earlier. That's Look right. That. I'm representing. You are Send representing. The free swag. I will That's... definitely wear it. I love the free swag. I got some free swag as well. Sue Morris will hopefully uh, join us on the show, as will certain other Patreons will join us on the show. I am hoping greatly. And I uh, will talk about the free swag. We'll talk a little bit about but racing. I want to thank the Morris boys and girls for all the lovely items they sent, especially this beautiful Morris Motorsports racing t shirt. And uh, Sue, you know, she gets lots of props, not only sends goodies, but uh, helps co-host a show from time to time. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It sounded like you were kind of soliciting more free stuff. I don't know the way it was coming out. It kind of sounded like it was. I'm not even going to say anything, but I've got more than enough to, you know, I mean, free stuff is always welcome, but I definitely got more, more than my fair share. You know, the package was big. What's in yeah, the I box? Gotta... I felt like Brad Pitt yelling at the at the box. It was by the front door, and I could see it on the ring. And I was like, oh, what's in the box? Well, you know what's funny is the T-shirt dilemma, right? Like, too many T-shirts in life. I don't know what happened, but if T-shirts were money, I'd be a millionaire. It's I've got so many great T-shirts that I love. And then here's more. More T-shirts. Great. Now, coming out of AM Talk Radio, which we're going to talk a little bit about Hank Goldberg later on in the show when Phil D comes on. Um, but, you know, free T-shirt. That's it's free. It's for me. That was life back in the day, right? You get a free T-shirt and then, then you get 10 free shirts. And then you realize, oh, my gosh, I can get all the shirts after the appearance. The next thing you know, there you get T-shirts everywhere. So if I'm wearing a T-shirt. It's it's a pretty big deal because there's a lot of them around here. It's a lot of them. And my Morris Motorsports t-shirt is going to get worn. I cannot wait. It's going to go into hot rotation. So quick thought on Hank. 
before we move on to Tyler Reddick and the big Ferrari victory, like we've got a lot to celebrate. We had the big 4th of July celebration. Hopefully everybody had a good time. It was great. I was great. I ate. I ate so much. I put on 10 pounds. I'm a huge, big, fat slob. Awesome stuff. 4th of July. But before we get to that, just a quick take on Hank that might make the people who don't care about South Florida Sports Talk Radio think twice. You want me to give the thought or you were about to give a thought? I want you to give the thought. I already <laughs> gave you. I wasn't yeah. sure with you if you were, you know, soliciting my thoughts. I'm well, soliciting your I thoughts. I got to tell you, uh, Hank is part of the reason why I decided to go into uh, the, this whole sports radio thing. I used to listen to the Hank uh, on 560 doing the sports talk radio back in the day. He was... Uh, what I guess he started working for the Dolphins and he, he was their uh, radio play-by-play guy or TV or whatever. He was the local sports guy on the 11 o'clock news on, on the local CBS station. And so Hank is very well known down here. And later on, he, anybody who's a sports fan probably knows him from his, what, I guess 15 to 20 year run at ESPN being a gambling guy before gambling was, you know, the, the phenomena that it is now that everybody's a goddamn gambling expert and they have actual gambling in Vegas shows on ESPN. Back, back in those days, you used to have to, you know, like hide your way around it. It was all innuendo. You know, when the game finally went over the score, you'd hear Al Michaels go, and this game is officially over now. And things like that were now it's openly great. It's you have these networks blatantly discussing the lines and the and the totals on all these games yeah he was in just a handful of years ago that was unheard of but much less 20 and 30 years ago well he worked with jimmy the greek in the early 90s and jimmy the greek jimmy the greek was one of his personal life mentors so you know jimmy the greek we're in 2022 do people know you know jimmy the greek now especially beyond that scandal right i don't know i don't know but we are we're this bridge generation giovanni that's what's happening is we're like this bridge generation to those old timers right hank was 82 we are in our 50s we are not in our 50s yet but we are a bridge generation from this modern world to that old world and it was interesting seeing all that but like yeah jimmy the greek gambling gambling was bad you said oh no gambling underground bookies ah seediness and now people are doing it from their mobile application and they're doing it at home the way it should be should be done and so right so before gambling was this open thing it used to be hush hush it was all done out in the secrets but everybody knew what was going on and so these guys had a platform and would discuss this and openly discuss the gambling and which back then you only did it through your guy unless you know you actually went to Vegas or Atlantic City but um to, to me Hank I thought it, it sports wise and as a he was a writer you know he wrote in the paper for also for the uh, I thought he was excellent I can't I can't say anything about that. And I respect him like that. And of course, like everybody, you know, Hank, I mean, I guess he got old right in front of our eyes because he basically broadcast. till he was almost done. Even in the recent years, uh, you saw him doing shows from Vegas. Uh, he was very uh, living in Vegas, very much still involved with the gambling. And I saw him a few of these other like the CBS Sports Network. He came on a few times and did shows there and he still did some stuff for the horse racing, which Hank, a very big horse racing guy. All of these stuff. Hank is, like you said, 82 years old. So he is one of the, uh, from uh, of, of the previous era of old style, uh, not just newspaper guys, but in sports guys. That was his life. The, the, the horses, the sports, the sports betting, the hanging out at the track. 
and the connections. It was an information era before all of this was at your disposal at, at your fingertips with the internet. It was back then it was a business of the connections and you made and the people you knew. And so Hank was very much connected with the dolphins with uh, Al Davis. And, yeah. and so he had a very big insight to the NFL. And so locally he was, uh, you know, I guess a quasi hero and celebrity, but um, as someone that, that loved that stuff, and this is why we do a podcast and, and I, I genuinely love watching and, and viewing sports and, and not just racing and motorsports. And so that's listening to his show is what inspired me to, to go into broadcasting, to be honest with you. Really? Hank? Yeah, I think so. Wow. I got to say, I, you know, I felt that I could do that. <laughs> not, not, not because, you know, but hey, that's something I could do that. I love sports. I want to talk sports. That's something I can do is what's right. the mentality behind it. No, well, it makes perfect sense. And there's so much more to the story because Hank had a reputation as being uh, very difficult. I abrasive. Put, uh, well, abrasive, but then there was the on-air character. There was the things that were going on around him. Uh, I was listening to some of the response, Dan Lebetard and Stugatz, Stugatz, who was Hank's producer for a while. Stugatz and I worked together at 560 QAM, and I was, you know, someone sent me one hour, Phil DeMontmont sent me an hour of their show where they talked about Hank. And I felt like they did dance on his grave a little bit, uh, and also they... A lot, a lot bit, but they're doing their show and their show and his show and all these shows. And what did people really think? And what's the story? You know, who knows? Um, but they also did give Hank his due. They gave Hank his due. Uh, they mentioned Neil Rogers. They talked about Neil Rogers. There was all kinds of interesting discussion going on back and forth. I reached out to Miguel. You remember Miguel? Miguel had nothing but negative to say that him and Hank got into a big physical uh, near altercation, which at the stadium, which when he brought it up, I, I recalled. And there just were, you know, diva behavior, diva-like behavior before diva was a thing. Like, I don't know when that became a thing, but just like the radio talent that yells at the producers and takes, uh, you know, I remember, what was it, pizza boxes or newspapers, like one of these moves, you know, like a swim move, everything. <laughs> seeing witness to that just craziness and chaos and all kinds of interesting uh, stuff. And, and, you know, if you're me, like, do you want to be involved in that or do you not want to be involved? Yeah, I think I do. There's crazy people around here, but at the same time, you know, Hank was always very warm with me, called me Jersey Joe because my parents were from Jersey. I actually grew up in the same hometown as my mom in New Jersey. They went to the same high school at different times. His dad was a writer for the Newark news and the Newark star ledger. So you got to think about that. Speaking of access, Geo, which a lot of people didn't really talk about this. Um, you know, Hank was the kid in the clubhouse. Maybe he wasn't in the clubhouse, but he was definitely the son of the writer of the newspaper who was in the clubhouse. And so he did have tremendous access and he had tremendous knowledge of the whole Northeastern sports mechanism, the way it worked. Like he, he was really at his best. You'd hear him talking about like, you know, Branch Ricky and the Jackie Robinson stuff behind the scenes. Like Hank knew all that stuff. He was, you know, he was well-respected by Francesa and all those guys. I remember the time that Francesa was in the rat infested, bug infested studio, which by the way, Hank named it that. But at the same time, Hank had Neil Rogers attacking him. And so, you know, attacking was working. And, and so you start attacking everybody. It was just, it was a crazy era of broadcast radio that Hank was right in the middle of, and I was right in the middle of it as a 
board operator early on trying to survive in the biz. And, um, you know, the guy died. And we'll have Phil Dion to talk a little bit more about it later on. But uh, we'll get into it, right? Because I said to Giovanni at the start of this show, the start of the, this is something that only a few people can really go into. Only a few people really even care about it all. Nobody cares, right? But no, it's getting a lot of talk. I just watched the Jeremy Schapp uh, Memorial to Hank, which was kind of interesting. And it was glowing uh, and it was positive. The like sports, center. sports center piece I saw last night. A spirited raconteur and gregarious. He could fill a room with his laugh. He could fill a room. His persona. He could fill a room with his laugh. Jag off. <laughs> and you know the Neil Rogers soundboard doesn't have any of the real bad Hank stuff. Didn't Hank have his own little like manage? <laughs> 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 and whoever, whoever created this, oh, I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop it. Whoever looped that, that's not the laugh. They did a poor job. They messed it up. But he was the source. Like people were attacking him nonstop because, first of all, they called him Hank. Hammer and Hank, Hank the Hammer, the Hammer, Hank Goldberg, the Hammer, right? But Neil would call him the Humper. He didn't call him, he called him, and so it was, everyone was attacking each other, and it was, the audience was involved. Not is Hank Goldberg, también es un hipopotamo. Call the guy a hippopotamus. Just so much going on around this story. Given our proximity to it, we must spend some time. That's all. I feel well, we like have a little bit of insider perspective is really it more than anything. Like we were there in and around for, uh, you know, a fairly long enough time that we've seen and we've seen it evolve from the inside and the outside. You know, We saw what happened and hearing other people's versions of what's happening is is just it's illuminating. It's interesting. It's eye opening. It's the kind of thing that makes you go, oh, OK, that's what was the uh, the angle at that time. We'll we'll get to that later when Phil. Hey, Hank comes was up. at your wedding for Christ's sakes. Hank was at my wedding. Like I don't know. I like is that a good thing? It's like the, the big celebrity well, that was at my wedding was Hank Goldberg. And the answer was I was thrilled that Hank came to my wedding. Like I thought it was yeah. a big deal. I remember my you know my former wife, uh, ex-wife, I guess is the way you say such things. Her she had some friends from back home come and they're like, "Hey man, is that Hank Goldberg? Yeah, that's Hank Goldberg." What's Hank doing at Joy? Like it was just well. The answer is it was in Vegas. By the way, I, I believe his uh, divorced spouse would be the pro the the technical term. Divorced spouse. My <laughs> divorced spouse. Um, we had a lot of fun in that time. It was a great fun time. A lot of good. A lot of bad. There for a lot of the formative uh, years, and and that's why we're here, for the good or the bad of it. Right. Like, is this depends on your perception of WFO. Do you think it's wonderful that, uh, you know, we created something from nothing and we have no real, you know, people to answer to for who we are, what we say and what we want to do and what we want to be? Or do we think that we're a bunch of failures just struggling along with a podcast in our garage? That is up to the audience. In the grand scheme of things, I'm pretty happy. We'll get into it. Look who's on here. Sue Morris. Look who's Yo. on WFO, hey. what's happening? WFO guys. WFO, WFO guys. All right, I want to apologize. I want to apologize formally for last week's show. It was all Geo's fault. 
And that's really all I'm going to say about this. So we'll just move forward. But wow. last week we were supposed to have a show. Everybody knows. They all know that if the Monday night doesn't happen, or more importantly, the first night of the week doesn't happen, it gets very difficult to get the show in. And that's exactly what happened for Gio and I. We communicated. And next thing you know, it was 4th of July weekend and we went off and did our own thing. Um, but great stuff. Great stuff. So, but hey, we got yeah, two weeks. I can't believe you guys missed the show. It was awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> Gio did his own show. Dragster Jeff out there. Hey, gang. Happy to be home. Miss Laura and I are at Red Lobster and he's checking in. Dragster Jeff. Hey, Dragster Jeff. Tell Miss Laura while we're talking that she set off a WFO universe DEFCON 1 red alert. Okay. My phone is exploding. Everybody that's a member of the WFO radio Facebook group, Joe, Polly the white guy, Joe, you've got a problem on the Facebook. You obviously, you have not shipped out your Patreon stuff and the Patreons are angry. You're going to lose them as a Patreon. <laughs> what? I, I immediately go, I find an email, I, the package, it didn't arrive, tracking numbers. I go into full-on DEFCON 1 <laughs> to find out what happened to the package. No, Jeff's package definitely went out. What's going on? And uh, they had it. It was there the whole time. It was there the whole time, Miss Laura. That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. Enjoy your Red Lobster. I'm just oh, kidding. They went traveling. They were on the road. Exactly. They no. were on the road. Listen, what I should be happy about is that they wanted the patches that badly. Like they were stoked that they got the pin and the patch and the decal for being a WFO Patreon. And thank you for caring and wanting it, Miss Laura. I'm just kidding. And now that I know you, you know, you get ripped, you get roped into the program. That's how it is. I it's mean, not straight even straight on one. There wasn't any, you know, no four, three, two, no, no like warning shot. No, like WFO nothing. is not delivering for its listeners. Well, <sighs> The worst part was that Paul, I'm I'm reading the email from Miss Laura, who is Mrs. Dragster Jeff, and she is super polite in the email. Oh, like super polite, like maybe it got lost in the mail. And I just wanted to let you know, just in case. And that's all really legit. That's all super legit. What made it go sideways was because in the exact same moment, my phone rings and it's Paulie, the white guy. And he's like. Hey, and I'm like, hey, and he's like, yeah, looks like you didn't send out some of your stuff you were supposed to send out, huh? And I'm like, how can you possibly know that? Is my email address forwarding to your email address and I don't know about it? How could you possibly know that I just read this email? What's going on? And I really like anxiety through the roof. And he's like, no, she put it on the friend book. I was like, ah, the friend book. And then I went to the friend book and I saw it on the friend book and all of that. And uh, now it's all settled, though. Dragster Jeff, the post office was holding it. We picked it up this afternoon. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that I don't have to do anything. <laughs> because I was going to go get tracking numbers, but I really I really handled DEFCON 1. Guys, I'm proud of myself. You want to know how I, I handled DEFCON 1? Sure. How's that, Joe? I did not. handle it. I did not. I just <laughs> did not. I just waited. And look, it worked. <laughs> now, I will say there's got to be something to the growing up listening to the South Florida sports radio wars and all that that we just briefly discussed because Paulie is another one of those. And there, boy, can you get an abrasive and conflict with him? Yeah, but that's what that's what your pals are for to get you set off and get you busy. To give you anxiety. Well, but the guy was that's not right. 
to not supposed to be able to read my email. Like that's a step too far. That's a bridge too far. How can you possibly be reading my email, Paulie, the white guy? What's going on? Like, does he have some sort of hack? Is he having a backdoor access? Is this email from WFO forwarding to him? No, he was just reading the same thing simultaneously on social media as I was reading it in the email. And it was a funny coincidence. Ah. <laughs> Very so interesting. Let's move beyond that, though. Let's move beyond that. So send you email and then post on Facebook group. Oh, yeah, <laughs> only if you want to, if you want <laughs> me to have anxiety. Tyler Reddick wins his first race, got the job done out there in the Quick Trip 250 at Road America. Road courses on the new Bristol. The new cars are great on the road course. It was pretty cool and fun race. I liked it. Let's hear what uh, he had to say as we finally score a victory for Tyler Reddick. Huge sense of relief. Um, this whole team, we've been at it for a couple of years now together. Um, and, and even some of us, um, back to the Xfinity series days, you know, and, uh, you know, that first year together in the Xfinity series, we were able to go out and back up, you know, a championship, win a lot of races. And then, uh, we got slapped in the face with the reality of what cup racing is like. And, uh, just, just, I've had to learn a lot over the course of these last three years in the cup series as a driver, but I've had some really great people behind me to, to help me do that. Whether that was, you know, my crew chief, uh, Josh Wise, Curtis Walls, um, just a lot of great people, you know, getting a lot of time at Chevrolet in the simulator to work on um, my, my driving style and just, you know, my habits, my, my mistakes, whatever it might be. A lot of, a lot of great people have, have helped an immense amount along the way. And uh, it's just what a, what a crazy ride it's been and just had to put a lot into it. Uh, all of us have, and it's really nice to to get it finally done. I'm happy for the kid. I, we've been talking about him for a long time. I like that he climbed up the old school way, and he's not connected to anybody. And he climbed up, and he went up through the Xfinity Series, and he won a championship. We were there for that one a couple of years back and got the cup ride. And, you know, there's nepotism Right. And he he's the guy who's not nepotism. And he goes in there and he just keeps going and going and going. And he was getting top 15s and then top 10s and then top fives. And then he broke through and he won a race. And all of a sudden, now that he's a race winner, what does he say? Relief, relief. Of course, it's relief. And, you know, the nepotism thing, like I'm not against it. I understand why it is and why it happens. But when you got Austin Dillon over there and it's like, well, it's your grandfather's got a race team. Of course, it, it there's. That's not his fault, but it's a reality. It's a fact that when your grandfather has a cup team, your road to the cup series is different than when they don't. It's a little easier. Yeah, but if your talent sucks, you're not going to be in that ride for very long. Okay. The nepotism may get you in the door, but if you're not qualified for whatever job it is, your ass is going to be out the door pretty soon, or you're going to be sweeping the floors or something else. You're yes. not going to be in that really good tie. Yeah. Well, right. <laughs> I just want to point that out, you know. Right, but that's a basic analogy because it's it assumes you're. Yeah, I look. I know that everybody says it. That, oh yeah, you know your parents or whomever got you the job. But again, if you don't have the talent to keep that job, you will be out of that position. They're not going to make you CEO. But what if you have if the talent? Sucking. What if you have the talent? But you're really just like a six and a half out of ten, and there's a seven and a half out of ten 
that, you know, like that's where it comes in. Like when you you're parsing talent, that's when it really comes in. Like those boys are talented race car drivers. Right. But there's many other factors that go in. That's yeah, all we're it, saying. It, it's called show me the money. That's it's, what it's called. It's definitely one element, right? Like the family member maybe gets paid less, right, than the non-family member. Or, well, but it's also who can bring the things. money. Uh, all of these down to sponsorship. Things. All of these things. Also, I think it's worthwhile to you know to you salute. Know, we, we go back to the DEI situation after Dale died. You know, yeah. Why did Junior leave? Because uh, him and he wanted didn't to get, get along. He was worth. <laughs> now he no longer <laughs> worked for his dad. Right, well, he wanted to get paid well, what he was worth. Was, she didn't want to give up the money. Well, that's I mean, not in the end. a flawed analogy. Also, it's too well, flawed. Not analogy. completely, but because his stepmom was discussing that family fair. works for less money, and so he was willing to work for less money at first when it was his dad. But once dad is gone, and I want to be paid what I'm worth, he had to go somewhere else. Yeah, well, he couldn't. There's a there was a lot of extra yeah, stuff. Yes, but yes, <laughs> you are. <laughs> You it's know, much yeah. deeper than that, Gio. Come on, it's, you know yeah, that. Well, everything is much deeper than you know than the simple analysis, but but that well, isn't that the truth? Always, exactly. Everything is much deeper than the simple analysis. But bottom line, it was a fun race. It was a good race, and we got a new race winner. That's thirteen winners in eighteen races. So, as far as the new car goes, left. as far as the new car goes, it's going well. It's pretty much designed for road courses. And I have found it to be pretty interesting. But yeah, Gio, three spots left. And we haven't really talked too much about what happens if, uh, you know, like a race winner doesn't, uh, you know, like if everybody wins a race, 16 different race winners, that's going to be an interesting scenario. Somebody's going to have to start making some points. Mm -hmm. Make up or not. But yeah. Even well, if they the do have to right win. now that a lot of guys that, that would, you know, points wise, you wouldn't think they'd have a problem. Uh, they do have a problem because there's only three spots left for non-winners right now. Right. Yep. Well, well, even if it's more than 16 winners, it's going to go back to points. Who That's goes correct. in? All so even if you get a race win, you're going to have to start watching your points. Also. Yeah. No, it's turned <laughs> out. It's turned out to be stressful. Tyler Reddick wins the race. Chase Elliott second. Kyle Larson, third, Ross Chastain, fourth, Daniel Suarez, Chris Buescher, Austin Sendrick, Michael McDowell, A.J. Allmendinger, Kevin Harvick, Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, Martin Truex Jr., Chase Briscoe, Cole Custer, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Ty Dillon, there's Ty, Joey Han, Harrison Burton, Kurt Busch, Justin Haley, Todd Gilliland, Eric Jones, Joey Logano, Eric Almarola, Kyle Busch, Kyle Tilly, Austin Dillon, Cody Ware, Brad Keselowski, Corey LaJoy, Bubba Wallace, Josh Balicki, and Loris Hensmans rounding out the 37 in the uh, Hensaberg Engineering Systems Ford. And there you have it. Now you got me feeling all guilty, Gio, that I, you know, I called out those who benefit from nepotism, which is not, I like would love to benefit from nepotism. I would be the first guy in there if it was, <laughs> I don't find there to be a problem. It just, it's a statement of, uh, it's a different road probably has its own challenges too that are very difficult like you're the grandson's kid nobody respects you right because you got there because of nepotism and you uh you deserve respect because you're a hard worker i'm sure there's all kinds of uh downside to it as well but there you go the big win out there at road america this weekend headed to atlanta remember it's new atlanta the quaker state 400 
And we're going to get into all that. But after we do the fantasy results where Dragster Jeff is like, did you see the results? The answer is no, I've not seen the results. I'm afraid to see the results. Oh, no, but on. I think I know what it is. I, I, mm -hmm. I took a quick peek oh, and yeah, Miss Laura too. is leading the segment points or whatever the, you know. Oh, but, you know, we, we count the full season and we don't really discuss segment points, but we, you know. That's all it is. You got to give somebody their credit when they're hey. leading at that point. No, I appreciate you doing that. I, I read the, the artwork that Patrick puts up on our website, WFORadio.com, which only takes into consideration the full season. So I didn't really see any of that. And since the way it, it, it hurts. Oh, look, Stubo, everybody's on the board except for me. Everybody's <laughs> on the board except for me. <laughs> this is my worst year of fantasy results ever, but that's okay. I can, I can handle it. Are you but, setting a team? I'm starting to think you're not setting. I a team. am. No, I am setting a team. <laughs> this week I didn't set. I didn't reset my team though, and maybe I didn't have a driver because of the road course thing. Last I've week, set a team every week, so yeah. Uh -oh. <laughs> Jambalaya J wins the week, guys. Jambalaya J. We haven't heard from him since we bought the air fryers. Just Woo! saying. 386 points for Jambalaya J. Hockey Dad was second, 380. Mr. Fantasy NASCAR, the Hall of Famer. 376 tied with Royal Flush Racing. Driving Hard, 370. Bad Brad, 368. Rusty Racing, 363. Ray Indy, 361. Tied with Stubo, Super Gas Crew Chief, 361. Good job. And Southern Racer X, one point behind, Sue. You guys are copying uh, each other's paperwork. Wait, no, we're battling each other. Are you kidding? We're battling. It's a vicious <laughs> battle. Jambalaya J, most points, up five positions. Biggest gainer is Rusty Racing, up 10 positions with 363. The biggest loser is Thug Life Motorsports with 160 down 19 spots. The new leader is Mr. Fantasy NASCAR, guys. Ah, he actually took over the lead last week. Uh, I mentioned that mm -hmm. on the show that nobody heard. Oh, that was part of the show that nobody heard? Okay. No, that's good. Bad Brad second, 27 back. Ray and Eat third, 44 back. Dirty Hippies has dropped 90 points behind now. Fifth Craig and Newhall, sixth AV, uh, fifth actually tied with Craig and Newhall for fifth and sixth aviator racing. Smothered and covered, seventh. Dirt 99, eighth. Southern Racer X, ninth. And Northwest Nitro Fanatics, tenth. Wow, Sue. Yeah. Dave's up there in the top 10. I, he completely surpassed us. <laughs> Hanging tough. Hockey Kid, 11th. Clawson Racing, Olsen's Trailblazers. Dragster Jeff, 14th. Way to go, Jeff. Woo. Yeah. Th up three. Hockey Dad, 15th. Jambalaya J, 16th. Team English, Miss Laura. Oh, there she is. 18th. That's Miss Laura. Isn't it great? And they're battling. Hey, now, check it out. We now know. Dragster Jeff and Miss Laura are, are battling. How many points apart? They're like 40 points apart or so. 42. There has to be a battle between them. Guys, like we got to hype this one up. I know. All right. No, let I'm it be sure there's some wages in there somewhere. There has to be. I mean, well, look, there's a lot of battles going on there. Yeah. Hockey, uh, hockey dad and hockey kid are battling. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of personal rivalries. There's a lot I'm of uh, yeah, in-house conflict going on in the WFO Radio Fantasy League. Bogan right. Bill, Team 12, Elephant Racers, Fantasy Clueless, Zamboni John, Fat Tire 22, El Jefe, Stubo 26, up eight positions. Way to go, Sue. Day Racing 21, Hillbilly 5032, Hebrews 12 Racing, uh, low 30th. Turn left 31st, DR Dirt Girl number two, Easy 009, Lake Oconee Scott, Burrito Racing, Keen Racing, double O Dead On 37th. Chicken Pit Special, Texas Budnut, Barbecue Bob, San Antonio Dixie, Geo in Miami, down seven to 42nd. Plummet. Geo, what are you doing? Yep. 
Dirt oh, girl, yeah, top four champ. Oh, the nail this week. I can oh, see okay. her Almirola's Utah Drifter. Bulls Wool, Highline Real Fine, Rich and Saugus, and Garrett Senkow, 50th. The Gray up one to 53rd. Now I'm just kind of going random. The Real Dookie, 57th. <laughs> Cervix Splitter, 62nd. Pickle Rick, 63rd. Where's Driving Hard, man? I met this guy. Here he is, 68th, Driving Hard. It's so funny. I'm in Bristol, and I'm doing it's right before I fell on the stage. and Or maybe it was right after I fell on the stage. And I'm having a conversation. I'm doing the text to win, right? Like text NHRA to this number and someone is going to win a pair of tickets. And I noticed a guy and he's not even trying to win the tickets at all. He's just like looking at me and I'm like, you, sir, are not trying to win the tickets. Why are you not trying to win the tickets? He's like, cause I don't want free tickets. I like these tickets. He's looking, he goes, look at this. And I'm like, oh, and it turns out he's driving hard from the fantasy league. And he knows the teams and he knows the thing. And he's friends with Miller man. And we had like a moment, nice. a, a moment. It was nice. But, but did he catch the moment on stage? Uh, obviously nobody uh, caught that moment. That moment was not the camera wasn't on. If you didn't see it live, oof, you didn't get to see it. So bummed. So I happy. Was, I was so bummed. Yeah. You know, it was almost like the camera going away from Erica Enders as she's up in smoke. The camera just goes completely away. Yeah, it just looks at the winner. You see nothing. <laughs> that was tough. That was tough. I appreciate being put in that such great company. Dump hey, it guys. dump. Seventy <laughs> fourth. So I'm up zero, but I didn't lose any either. And race day San Antonio Mike is now beneath me because he passed me going backwards. If wow. that makes sense. Bug Barn is ahead of me. Several positions. Man, I, I got to figure out something. And there it is. Fantasy. You know, Race Day, San Antonio, Dixie, and, and Mike were battling each other last year. Yeah. Now Mike is leading Dixie. He's got to be pretty happy about that. So there's your fantasy results. Set your fantasy teams, guys. Appreciate you. You can get on the trophy back there with your team name. Look who's here. We got all these Patreons on there. Oh, there's Phil D. Phil DeMont Mullen. Hang tight, Phil. We're going to talk a little. Now, guys, when we bring on Phil... Phil is a South Florida radio nerd like the rest of us. Couldn't think of a better word. I was going to say expert. I was going to say enthusiast. I was going to say aficionado. And I decided to go with nerd because that's really what we uh, kind of are, right? Like he was it. there. He was there, too. We're going to talk Life and Times of Hank Goldberg. And uh, Phil sent me the. Well, Phil's a uh, complete South Florida insider from way back in the NASCAR days. He knows, you know, the whole motorsports industry, not unlike everything, not unlike Hank Goldberg, whose dad worked at the Star Ledger. Phil's got uh, connections to the newspaper industry as well. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But he's known as the WFO insider because he really was helpful when we got this thing going. Early on. So, Phil, just sit tight. Want everybody to know, though, what uh, is going to happen with Phil when he comes on the show. But now we got to talk Formula One, guys. A tremendous victory for Ferrari. Now, I did not capture the Italian national anthem. I just, I just, I'm so disappointed with you. Isn't it, is it wrong that I didn't feel great about the victory? Like, I felt happy that we won. But I didn't want to go full in everybody's face celebration mode. It's in Silverstone. You have to. Even the version of the anthem that they used was very kind of understated. Those Brits with their rain and their, you know, dour uh, ways of Ferrari. Right. 
Ah, no. I just think it's it's very apropos for Ferrari on a day where we should have been extremely happy of victory, of a maiden victory for Carlos Sainz after he got his first pole. And, you know, the guy, we should be super ecstatic, but yet we have no choice but look at the fact that they failed Charles. You they know? did. And Mateo, even though they got a win, they didn't make the most of what could have been. Right. That should have been a Ferrari 1 2 right there. Strategy implementing. What is wrong with it's us? It's just, you know, every week we find a new way to, to lose a race. Well, I have Even though they won the race. <laughs> Carlos Sainz should be the official strategist for the team because he knows what the right thing to do is every time he has been right. Every time he's fighting them, they're always telling him, including in this race, they were trying to tell him to do the wrong thing. That would have right to hold hold off everybody behind you and let, you know, so that Charles on his 10 year, 10 year old on his 10 lap old tires, you know, could could just pull away. It's like, dude, that's not going to happen. We all saw this happen the last race of the year when everybody blew right past uh, Lewis on his old tires. Yeah, that was it was an abomination. It really was. So, yeah, we did win and I'm super happy we won. And it's great for Carlos Sainz. But what is the result? Really? The team is, um, you know, in turmoil. You've got the wagging of the finger at Charles. Now, no, no, no. He was trying to pep Charles up. Uh, Matias was trying to make Charles feel better and telling him that. Don't worry, son. You're going to get him next time. Just shut your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i was happy for lewis i was happy for lewis on the podium goes up there and gets a podium i uh you know the way that they really have just buried this guy in his career to see them he coming back and then there's max when max has a bad day it's not so bad it's still a pretty good day when you're max Verstappen. it's still a pretty good day but it was a very entertaining race and i will say this because i have been tracking the formula one races post Miami to see if they are simply like more exciting or less exciting or the same level of excitement as Miami. Since a lot of people criticize the Miami track. And I will say this one was definitely clearly more exciting. This was a real formula one circuit, a real formula one track and um, very worth the speed, the speed that those cars take those turns and those corners in, in Silverstone is just extremely visible. You yeah. can see how fast they, they're going. I feel that you don't see that at every track with these cars. At Silverstone, there's no doubt that they are hauling the mail. And uh, well, speaking of, I mean, that first first lap, Guangzhou, oh. right upside down. If it wasn't for the halo, we might be talking about another tragedy in yep. motorsports. But once again, safety prevails. He got He got launched up into the fence. Those people that are watching... Uh, you know, the car is coming right at him and got it got caught. They, the way they did the TV coverage was very uh, interesting in that they left us. In the well, the they did their, they did their normal. Okay. Exactly. That, that's normal. Come on, Joe. You know that. They're yeah, not going to reveal though. any. Well, they yeah, didn't but know. They, you, you don't they reveal anything quicker than that. It took like 20 minutes. It, it took, took a considerable amount to get of time, but yeah. you know, imagine feel like, the alternative. What if he wasn't okay? Right. No, I know that. But they, by the time we got the news, like they got him out of the car. They didn't take 20 minutes to get him out of the car. That's my point. 
Like that whole thing took a little too long. Like getting to the car, like we never even got to see how they got to the car. Which, by the way, they how did, did they not get to want the to show? No, anything. well, George Russell was the first one. George Russell, yeah, he was the first one there. I don't need to see it, but I know that the car was behind the barrier. How did they get to the car? What is the situation? Did they think sideways that went between the catch fence and the tire barrier with the driver's compartment facing the tire barrier? Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Right. Yeah, no, he went over the barriers. So, all right, I'm going to unmute you, Bobby, because I, I heard a lot of drawers and rustling around. <laughs> I heard a lot of rustling. That was his his chair, you know. He didn't. He doesn't no, have. No, it wasn't the chair. chair anymore. That was super I, scary. I thought I had it on mute myself. So no, it's okay. It's it all didn't right. work. Oh, it's all right. I'm waiting for that button. Carlos Sainz wins the race. Sergio Perez second. Lewis Hamilton third. Charles Leclerc fourth. So he gained a couple of points. Gained six points. Fernando Alonso fifth. Lando Norris sixth. Max Verstappen, Mick Schumacher, Sebastian Vettel, and Kevin Magnussen. Both Haas F1 drivers getting points. This is the Woo! first time in a long time. Should be a celebratory moment here on WFO Radio. Mick and K-Mag both yes. getting points. The United yes. States of America, guys. This is a huge, huge deal. The American Formula One team, Gene Haas, Gunther Steiner, Mick Schumacher. First points for Mick. We should all be very happy and excited about that. It's probably the number one thing of excitement for that race. But boy, what a, what a great track. The cars look so fast. And that's, uh, that's what we uh, really want. Look at Gio. He's hung up the Haas F1 shirt <laughs> in the background. <laughs> He's hung it up folks. Like well, I realized flag. that you couldn't see it where in the first level I hung it. <laughs> Things are just right. hiding behind me. <laughs> exactly. But it, no, it was, it was really good. And in IndyCar, of course, Scott McLaughlin uh, gets the win over Alex Pillow and Will Power. And Scott McLaughlin will probably get a mention if Matt in Australia comes on because he is a former V8 supercar guy. And there you go. All right, let's bring on Phil D to talk about the passing of a South Florida radio legend and uh, high-level talent, big-money talent. And here he is, Phil DeMontmala, the WFO insider, who has recently shaven and looks a little bit like Valtteri Botas. What's up, guys? WFO. Phil WFO. What's up, Phil? Phil? How are you doing? How many years now for WFO Radio? Wow. I guess we started in 2009. And so let's just count them up to where we're, wherever we are now. And that's the number. Sounds like 13 to me. 13. <laughs> wow. 13. Dan Marino. Yes. Phil, you you were a South Florida radio uh, person like all of us. That's where we met. You were working at Homestead Miami Speedway as the um, you know media relations PR many hats uh, person. Took over from a another South Florida like motorsports media person, JJ O'Malley, and and you were a South Florida guy though. University of Miami parents lived down here. We talked a little bit about it at the very beginning of the show. I've been inundated with discussion points and the stuff you sent me, Lebitard, all that about Hammer. But what's your take on Hank Goldberg? Who was this guy? Well, just a little background for your your audience first. Um, you know, on July fourth, uh, there was a passing of a well-known media member, a uh, longtime. Uh, NFL and especially horse racing 
um, TV and radio personality, Hank Goldberg. He actually died on his birthday, July the 4th. Uh, he was born on July the 4th and then passed away on July the 4th in Las Vegas. But he really cut his teeth and started his career in Miami after a, an interesting childhood where he was the son of a sports writer up in New Jersey and got to um, get really close to the New York Yankees, which his dad were, was covering. Uh, he grew up alongside guys like Joe DiMaggio and so forth. And then he came down to Miami, Florida. Um, he was in the advertising agency and started to help out the Miami Dolphins when they started as an expansion team in their PR department, became the Miami Dolphins radio analyst. And then over time became a really kind of force of nature, sports talk personality in Miami, um, one of like the all-time great, um, trying to think of the right word for it, sort of bombastic, almost like a jerk on air who would get after callers and be really tough on the callers and mean and, you know, and thus his nickname came about, which was The Hammer, you know, and so he would uh, come down with these tough opinions and be really rough on the callers and all this. And um, a lot of it was jag off. That was that's one. right. Yeah, well, well, part of it was if you came on the show and you didn't have your stuff straight and you didn't make sense, it, it, you got hammered. Boom. You were cut off. Yeah. Hang up. Get lost. You jag off. That's right. No tolerance for, 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 you know, inept callers. They had to know their material and, and be ready to bring it themselves. And if, you know, I mean, frankly, if he just disagreed with you in general, he would, he would, he would slam you pretty good, but ultimately, you know, um, beyond South Florida, he became a big personality on ESPN. I can, um, especially on the gambling side, uh, NFL handicapper where he would make the picks for the games. Um, and also a horse racing expert, which was a big part of his, his background as well. And he became really, really big as an ESPN personality for about 20, 20 years or so. Um, and you know, just kind of, for those of us like Joe and Gio who grew up around South Florida sports radio, he had as big of impact as, as, as much as anybody and the tentacles go on and on as far as how many people he influenced and gave their starts in the, in the business guys that you see on ESPN these days, um, you know, very often can trace back to the uh, coaching tree of Hank Goldberg. And, you know, I had some interactions with him uh, way back in my day as a um, sports information director at the university of Miami and he was really, really helpful and kind to me as a as a brand new young sports PR person who was didn't really know his way around the business that well. He was good friends with uh, another legend in South Florida, Sonny Hirsch, who was the longtime University of Miami play by play man. And I was um, kind of. You know, there's a lot of guys at WQAM where, where Hank worked who are kind of like Hank's sons. I was one of Sonny's sons. And so in turn, uh, Hank, um, you know, gave me the seal of approval as well. And, you know, always kind of was rooting for me in my career and that kind of thing. So um, just sad news to hear someone like that pass away, but certainly brings up a lot of memories of uh, that South Florida sports radio scene. 
Yes. And thanks for, for the overview. And, you know, I just watched on the Neil Rogers tribute page, they posted a Wolfson archive story, like from Ralph Rennick or something, early 80s, about Sonny and Hammer doing their show. And it's so quaint, right? Like they're talking about Hammer getting mad at somebody. And, and it's, he's, it's like a velvet glove. He, he does something on the air that he likes to call trolling. And it's like, what's trolling? And he'll say something that's sexually charged in hopes that a lady caller will call in. And it's like, ooh, that, that didn't age very well at all. That sounds terrible. But then they talk to him and he's like, who's going to call in for me? Get out of here. It was a joke, right? But what about the feedback, Phil? You're the one who sent me the local hour of uh, Dan and Stu Gatz, right? And to hear all that stuff brought me right back to the, to the beginning of all of that. And that local hour was really good to hear that Stu Gatz was planning. So he says, planning to pit one against the other on the air. Like, wow, that uh, there was some intrigue there. Yeah. I didn't really see all that coming when I opened up that podcast episode and started listening to the Dan Lebetard show with Stu Gotts. But, um, you know, because I always, you know, I equate Stu Gotts with the hammer, you know, Stu Gotts was the hammers producer for years, along with the guy, Josh Darrow as well, yep. and some others. And so like, I always looked at Stu Gotts as a, you know, uh, a byproduct of the hammer and in one of those kind of, you know, students of the game of, of hammer and all this, but the whole, there was a, you know, a, uh, radio station that, um, came into the market to compete directly with the big station in town. And Stu Gotts was, uh, the, the ringleader in that. And he brought in Dan Lebetard, who at the time was just a columnist for the Miami Herald and was the subject to all sorts of scrutiny. And, um, beyond that, just, you know, um, absolute, um, distaste from, from hammer. And he, and Stu Gotts brought in Lebetard as direct competition to hammer. Uh, Lebetard probably ultimately won the, the South Florida radio war. If you want to call it that hammer ends up going on to bigger things in a lot of ways when it comes to, to ESPN and all that. But I mean, we're talking 20 years later and these yeah. guys still are holding these grudges, you know? Well, exactly. And that's what I took out of it. Right. Like I was really kind of stunned that, I don't want to say they were wounded because they weren't wounded. They're living well. They're having a great life. They're doing such a great job. But like the the scars were still there about the stuff that Hank said in like 1998. <laughs> like, you know, I couldn't believe that. I guess I believe, but they really spent a fair amount of time dancing on the grave. Yeah. in in, in Levitard kept on trying to like um, backpedal from it, you know, and say, oh, man, we're doomed. They're going to aggregate a headline that we're dancing on the hammer's grave and all this. And um, they kind of were. I I would say that Dan kind of he came across as 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 still bitter over the whole situation. Like he took all that stuff personal. And to me, I I don't know, maybe maybe because it wasn't directed at me, but we were all there. That was kind of like all those guys radio shtick, you know? Like exactly when you do a like, daily talk show on the radio, especially in the nineties, what did you do? You pick up the paper and you talk about what's in the paper. That that was your show material. 
essentially, we didn't have this 24-hour internet access to every buck score and, and, and everything. No, you got you got that the next morning when you when you picked up the paper. And so I think that a lot of this stuff was, well, Dan writes a column. And we think it's, it's terrible. So let's blast Dan over the crap he wrote. And I think, you know, here we are 20 years later at the time, Dan, I guess you got to look at it from his perspective. He's a young up and coming writer and he took it personally being attacked on the radio every day. But, but in I, I, reality, you know, they were saying his name over and over again. They were giving him, him publicity. They were making him famous. And I just find it so hard to believe that, like, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to say I'm shocked, but I, I heard today, but it's the antithesis of what I would have expected, which is if Hank and Neil Rogers were saying your name on a regular basis and talking about your column, whether it was good or it's bad, whether or whether or not you should have a Medinoche underneath each arm as you go back to Cuba or not. That's obviously show humor. And these guys are doing humor every day. And so they should know that what I come out of it is this, like who won the radio wars? They all did. And they still are because hammer made a lot of money, man. He made so much money sitting there was a King of South Florida. Neil Rogers made so much money. And then these guys came in as that thing was losing energy and they reinvigorated the energy and they brought it back up. And now it is officially dead, but they did a great job. So it wasn't one versus the other. It was like, you know, to go back to that analogy, uh, you know, Joe DiMaggio is the guy until he's getting old and Mickey Mantle comes in and is the guy. Did Mickey Mantle kill Joe DiMaggio's career respect? Absolutely not. He was just the next in line. And that's what uh, Stu Gotts and Dan did with radio in South Florida. They, they, I didn't like the way that they made it like, yeah, and we took great pleasure in the day that we drove the stake into the heart. Like that was, I don't know. I felt a I little on Stu Gotts came across that way. And especially no, you know, no, Stu. he's more, you know, I, everything with Stu is just about the right now and how, and the benefit of, of the whole Stu Gotts. But, but, yeah. but oh, really, I was, I, I was shocked that Dan was that sensitive yeah. about it in this, you know, I thought he might have got it a little bit more because Dan gets things, especially, you know, like as a writer, when he d puts his mind and gives you a piece of, you know, what's going on, like he did last week, you know, you, you realize that he's pretty, he's actually quite brilliant as a writer. Very talented, very talented person. Proud that they're from Miami. They represent our, our city. They do a great job on the national, you know, the worldwide spectrum of like Miami style thoughts going out there that you don't even have to be from Miami to have Miami style thoughts. And uh, did get this was interesting though. But what was great is like Troy is a big fan of their deal. He's on now. What's up, Troy? What's up, y'all? WFL. So we're talking uh, the passing of Hank Goldberg, big South Florida media icon, who was also the celebrity at my wedding, which was kind of cool in 2003. You know, we say that uh, we throw that out there. It's kind of I don't know. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? But uh, Hank was a. He called me Jersey Joe. He always treated me with like, I was always worried that he would blow up on me, but he never did. And so I wondered maybe the people who got blown up on deserved it. Nobody deserves to get humiliated in front of the work environment, but the guy was a no nonsense on air host like sleeping with sharks. Is that the movie swimming with swimming. sharks, Gio? swimming yeah, with sharks. Swimming. The no-nonsense Hollywood personality that doesn't take crap from years gone by. He had kind of 
taken on that mantra. Like that was going to be his persona. And if you don't get the job done, I'm going to come down on your heart until you do. And if you cross me, I'm going to crush you. And all that stuff that I, I hope is antiquated now in our modern world where people are hopefully trying to be kinder. Obviously not. But that was his deal. So I was always like, okay, well, here you go. And every time I had to do something for Hank, I made sure it was right. And I got what he needed and that I was cool. And then I went in and had a little personal time with him and it always turned out fine. Called me Jersey Joe. Hey, where are you from? Jersey union. Oh, I went to union. Ah, my mom's from union. Oh, wow. That's great. Cool stuff. Hey, we're going to have a wedding in Vegas. If you want to pass by. Yeah, I'll come by. Came over, gave me a nice little gift, cash money, which I turned into more. I got no complaints on the hammer. Now he did treat some people pretty rough, but man, and the top, 10 of difficult people that I've worked with, he barely cracks the, uh, you know, the top eight. Yeah. And I think most people who say they got to know him on a personal level, kind of like how you're describing Joe will say he's a, he was a great guy, you know, um, a big heart. Uh, I remember going back to, to when I first got to know him, you know, Sonny Hirsch, who I mentioned before, passed away um much younger than you know what hank you know just passed away and hank um got the picked up the whole tab at the reception um which was at shula's resort after the the ceremony on south beach and um yeah it was like and i remember sitting there with him and he was just kind of um you know, he was just so gracious and so loving. You could tell, like, you know, he was a really, really good guy when it, when you got past that exterior in that, you know, shtick of his. Right. The exterior and the shtick that is so much trouble for so many people. And it was for Neil Rogers as well. Um, you know, saying things to be entertaining and things that were entertaining in 1990 are maybe not entertaining in 2022 because we've uh, learned some things or evolved. Uh, as as humans, but really interesting stuff, the way it all uh, kind of worked out with uh, with Hank. And, you know, now he is gone. That Fourth of July stat is pretty interesting that he was born on and passed away both on Fourth of July. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. And it, and it kind of goes with the idea. Someone used the word uh, Forrest Gump type existence with him you know i mentioned he he grew up around joe dimaggio uh he later you know where he got his kind of his gambling chops was he would be the ghostwriter for jimmy the greek snyder uh who was like the first big uh television prognosticator on uh the cbs pregame show back in the 70s so he was working closely with jimmy the greek and after he left miami and went national with with espn uh, he became a big big star on television as far as basically filling jimmy the greek shoes is kind of like the go-to guy for nfl gambling picks and i just want to read one little thing because i saw this great quote from uh former vice president at Caesar's palace in Las Vegas. And he said the following Hank used to come out for every super bowl and started to do a super bowl segment for ESPN live from the sports book at Caesar's. We had the centurion guards carry him in on a big chair, like Caesar would be carried in on. And they put him down in the book. We had Cleopatra girls fanning him with big palms and feeding him grapes 
And I said, Hammer, what's your Super Bowl pick? And everybody gathered around to hear who Hammer was picking at, at his peak as the uh, prognosticator for ESPN. So, um, you know, a big part of that whole gambling scene before it became mainstream, you know, with all the, the media and, you know, the, the legalized gambling in sports now. So um, really an interesting character in sports media. And, you know, um, you know, it's, it's cool to reminisce with them with you, Joe and Gio, you know, who, who you guys, you know, saw them firsthand in the, in those, uh, those days of sports radio down in Miami. Oh yeah. I can tell you, I used to, you know, be one of those that before I, I was on that sports radio, I, I used to tune into that ESPN pregame show to watch Hank's five picks for the, the upcoming NFL games. And every Monday night, right before on the sports center that led into that NFL pregame show, he used to do the Monday night pick also. Hank had a segment, I think, on Fridays where he would pick every game with a TC from the Dolphins, uh, Curtis, Tom Curtis. Tom Curtis, yeah. Right, and that's so right. he that's how he got that gig, picking the five games on ESPN, and he had a monster season early on. I want to say, like, in the first couple of years that he got the gig, and I mean monster. He picked over, like, 75, 70, 75. Yeah, I don't know. He showed it today, 33-9 and nine or some crazy, like, some crazy stat. I'm telling you, and it was, from that point on, he could just go 500 the rest of the way because that season alone, he made so much money for so many people that the legend was just, that's it. It was the, the legend of Hank. And he picked, and, a, like, a 36-1 to one long shot in the Belmont, Belmont he, on right, TV. Right, he used to pick horses, but, but especially NFL and an NFL gambling back in the day when it was really hush hush before it was mainstream for him to get on there every Sunday and pick five winners and that's he just had a monster season it was the late 90s and it was after that it was that that's it the legend was born well and people don't realize Miami was a different thing too because you had coach Shula and you had the perfect Dolphins and there was there was something spectacular about the the town and the Dolphins and Marino and all of this just stuff that was going on. And it was uh, Troy, Troy just died. And uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was an amazing time. And I don't know. I just uh, like listening to Stu and uh, and, uh, and Dan talk about it. It drove home to the to me. Everybody has their own reality and everybody like chooses their own grievances to have. But it doesn't necessarily mean they're right or they're true or they're or, or whatever. And so Hank was doing his thing. And I remember him taking his guys out and spending money, adult establishments. I, I was about to tell you, how many nights did we not pull into the adult establishment off of Hallandale Beach Boulevard? And, you know, in the middle of the night and who was sitting at the bar and we'd go have a late night cocktail sitting at the bar. And, they were Hank. Making, and, and Hank, who is super successful was taking a beating from Neil Rogers all the time, calling him the humper, making jokes, Boca Bryant doing the beverages jokes. And eh, yeah, <laughs> beverages. Uh, yeah. Uh, get some. We'll be back after this. Right? Like just destroying. That was the shtick of everybody. Everybody attacked everybody all on all warfare on the radio. And um, I don't know. I, I appreciated the guy for what he was. He was a relic of a, previous time and you know i think he did a pretty good job i'm sad to lose him you know i co-hosted a show with hank hank and me on the air on 6 40 a.m did you know that phil i did not know that tell yes. us more well a couple of a couple of you know after it was i went to xm 
because I, I got out of there. Everybody knows what happened down there with me. And that uh, was, you know, it, it was sad because we were on to something, right? We were on to something, but then the something kind of got just eliminated and they went in a different direction. Very radio stuff, which is why I do this. Because I, I when I'm on to something, I don't want to have somebody tell me, oh, yeah, that was great. And then set somebody else up to do it, which was pretty annoying. But that's a different story for a different day. So I went to XM and I came back from XM after XM and 640 had something open and they called me and Matt Bell called me and it's like, Hey, and I think they were trying to maybe just see how it would go. Cause Hank was up there already and Hank wasn't ready to like, it's a lot of work carrying a show, right? Look, I have to drag G around all the time. Just kidding. But, <laughs> but look, no, I have all of you guys to, to lean on, right? Like if I don't want to talk, Sue will say something or Bobby Graham will say something. There's a lot of work, a lot of preparation. That's why reading the newspaper wasn't the worst thing in the world when that's all you had. It was amazing back then that they did as good a job as they did with all just knowledge and networks. And um, But I sat in and we did four hours on 640 from like 10 till 2 or from 1 till 5 or something. Me and Hank, maybe it was before the Derby or Dolphin Training Camp or something. We had a fair amount of Dolphin talk. We had some good back and forth interaction. He and I were not on the same page necessarily sports mind wise, because he is far more knowledgeable about a lot of people, but we did have something in common. And that was Dale Earnhardt and J.R. Rhodes, which is kind of the tie is Hank told me like, Hey, what's up with this Earnhardt? Do you know him? He goes, I know him. He was the only NASCAR driver that Hank had any kind of knowledge of at all. Of course. And it was because Hank was friends, good friends with John Rhodes. J.R. Rhodes' dad, who, Phil, you know, J.R. was like Dale Earnhardt's, uh, you know, right-hand man. Top PR guy. Yeah. Yep. Top PR guy. So senior, one day. you're talking about. Dale I'm Senior. To Hank yep. and Dale Senior's right-hand man right. were buddies. So one time I'm down at one of the Homestead Miami Speedway events. You remember you brought Dale Jr. out to some nightclub on South Beach? Ooh, who could on, forget? Sitting on oh. South Beach. And who is there? John Rhodes with JR. And so I started talking to him about Hank Goldberg. I was like, hey, I know Hank. And we were buddies. And he, like, in 10 minutes, gave me the Hank Goldberg data download, which I keep to this day which is this he goes the reason hank got so far and continues to get so far is because he never forgets who helps him and even when you don't know it out of nowhere you'll get a phone call and it'll be hank just checking in saying what's up finding out what's up with you making sure you guys, you know, so you still know that he's there for you and that you're there for him and whatever, whatever he got, the guy like laid it out. Hank's success with the networking, which I thought was, was great. And to this day, that's something I do. Like there are people like Phil DeMont Mullen who help along the way. And it's like, man, there's an opportunity to get Phil on the show to talk about South Florida sports radio. Let's do it. And uh, I just thought it was great how it all ties together. And there's, you know, it's sad. It's sad that these old timers, like these, pioneers of this thing sports talk radio total pioneer of sports talk radio hank goldberg passed away but hey what are you gonna do 
Hey, Joe, just one more trip down memory lane. I want to bring it back to motorsports because I don't know if I'm, I'm sure you've talked about before at some point in the podcast, but if you can tell everyone about motorsports Saturday and, you know, the radio station 560 where it was housed in kind of that whole, uh, you know, scene there in how you were championing motorsports in a place that nobody knew anything about it. And uh, you would have that early morning, Saturday morning radio show. Absolutely. Well, so I'm a bracket racer who did morning announcements and track announced. And I always wanted to do talk radio because I loved uh, listening to Ron and Ron, the Ron and Ron Nate radio network. I don't know that people even know Ron and Ron nowadays, but together they were amazing. Howard Stern, of course, although he wasn't in South Florida and Neil Rogers, who was very entertaining along with Phil Hendry, all very entertaining guys that were on the air. If you listen to Dan Lebetard talk about South Florida talk radio, there were no rules. There were no rules. You could say anything. You could say anything. Ah, he was talking like that over and over again. Okay. So now, you know, when I was, he was listening to the same stuff I was listening to. Like, wow. They can do that. All right. I want to be in on that. So, I get a job thanks to George Corso, Team Corso, at 560QM. He's a bracket racer. I'm a bracket racer. He's a bracket racer. So I get a job at the radio station as a board operator hired by Andrew Ashwood, who is also a legend in sports talk radio industry. Like the guy was one of the original spread sports talk around. I've got so many great accolades on the resume that I never talk about. It's very funny how I do that because I'm in motorsports. But I become a producer. And now I'm, you know, raising the levels for Fabulous Sports Babe. And uh, the first show I produced solo was John Boog Shambi and Chris Moore. And, uh, you know, John Shambi is now play-by-play -play of Major League Baseball. And, and we would lead into Hank. Well, a couple of months into my employ, they hired Neil Rogers, the big dog super talent, making a million dollars a year. And those guys came over and they recognized that I was not solely interested in sports that I had some entertainment radio chops that I liked to talk about things other than just sports, which was pretty much what was going on on sports radio station. And so they brought me into their deal and I was a producer and all that, but that's never enough. Everybody knows that, right? You want to be on the air and how can I get on the air and the line to get on the air in the sports radio station was very long because everybody wants to talk football and baseball and basketball. And I had no way to get on the air because I honestly, I don't care about that stuff that much to make it my life, to talk about it all the time. Like I just can't, it's like faking the funk. I don't love it like that. You got to love it. I don't love it like that. I love the New York Yankees. Sure. Do I want to talk about them three hours a day, every day and talk to people all the time about that stuff? No, the real answer is nothing. I don't love anything that much, right? That's why entertainment radio to me was better because you could talk about anything at any time and, and wherever it goes, which is what happens on WFO. You don't know what we're going to talk about because we're ADD and we're all direction driving at all times. But I saw an opening with NASCAR and I loved NASCAR. I enjoyed it as a fan. I'm a racer myself. So I started going to the program director. Got to give me a show. This is how I'm going to get on the air. Give me a show. Motorsports, NASCAR, Jeff Gordon. Look at this guy. He's not a redneck guy. Oh, that's redneck stuff. This is Miami, Joe. That's redneck stuff. We don't care about that redneck stuff here. No, he's not a redneck guy, actually. In fact, he's from California. And you're building a track down here, Homestead Miami Speedway. It's 1999. And this is a big part of your community. And you should be involved. And you should have something to serve it. And there's probably going to be some sponsorships, et cetera, and so on. So in a vicious 
long protracted fight, I won. And I got one hour at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning was my big break. Motorsports Saturday, one hour. And that's where J.J. O'Malley, like the guy was, uh, you know, up at 5 a.m. running his marathons. He heard the show. He was a big Mad Dog Mandich fan and jumped in immediately trying to help. And that's how I met you and Curtis Gray from the Speedway and kind of got brought into the Speedway universe. And I really believe that NASCAR exists as it does in South Florida as a success because of some of the effort that was put in at that time. Working hard, blocking and tackling, grinding for a couple of years at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning. Joe, you know what brought back the memory was when I was backstage here on this uh, StreamYard platform, you were going through the rundown of the the results the same way you would back on motorsports saturday <laughs> top to bottom faster no yeah, no faster. racer left uh you know unmentioned you got to mention the names you got to get people used to the names people want to know every one of those drivers has got a fan or two to hear the names you can't blow it off yeah gave results talk formula one that's where i grew my passion for formula one thanks to bill from kendall Joe, you got it all wrong. Just a caller. You got it all wrong on Formula One. You don't understand. You got to watch it differently. What, what, what's different? What do you mean? They just follow each other. There's no passing. Well, that's because it's exceptionally hard to pass. Passing shouldn't be easy. Oh, what do you mean? It shouldn't be easy to just pass somebody for a race win. It should be hard. Oh, and he just changed my perspective on the deal. And I, I learned to love it. But um, anyway, we had some good times, Phil. Like that era, Neil... Hank, early 2000s, South Florida Sports Talk, Club Madonna, all that craziness, all wrapped up into one little community, and uh, we were there. R.I.P. Hammer. Yep, R.I.P. And um, cheers. Yeah, it's uh, was was quite the time, and you know certainly learned a lot from from guys like him. Um, seeing them in, in action. I'm sure, I'm sure a little bit of hammer style is, is, is within you somewhere, Joe and Gio. Oh yeah. No, I'll, I'll yell at somebody, but not only if they deserve <laughs> it, only if they, they deserve it, I'll yell at someone. So Phil, listen, you're welcome to hang out. Uh, as we continue the show, we are, uh, one hour, 18 minutes in. we cannot go longer than two hours. Cause I want to broadcast this one. Let's find out what Troy's got going. Troy, you got your big money minute coming up. Why don't you, uh, lay it on us. Man, so much racing, uh, and it's good to have Ignition back. I, I, uh, I've been missing missing all you folks. My new job move has got me away a lot. So uh, hopefully that'll tame down soon because I got some racing to do in like seven days of my own car. So uh, awesome. it's good, good to be back with you all. Uh, you know, this last weekend, there was so much drag racing going on. Tons of money getting thrown around all weekend all over the country. Lord knows how many five and 10 granders there was, but we had the SFG half million. We had the BTE world foot break challenge. We had triple 7,500s up at kill care. Uh, there was bracket racing for big money all over the place, but uh, I'll just run down real quick. SFG half million at us 131. Uh, Nick folk taking the first big check 50 grand. Uh, the folk family, uh, one of the first families of big money bracket racing for sure. And Nick's always up there banging. And uh, finally came through with a win over Kaylee May. Uh, 350 cars to open things off. And I think that was like a Tuesday on like a Tuesday night. 
Next night, Donovan Williams cashes another $50,000 check. So uh, the Williams family adding a little more money to the to the trust account. Uh, if your last name's Williams, man, you uh, you got something in your blood that very few people have, and and it's crazy how all of them can just go up there to that line and and get it done. So uh, Tyler Bohannon, uh, one of my guys I love to follow. Tebow went real deep that night, all the way to the semis uh, after coming off that super stock win. So. Just amazing versatility some of these guys have to be able to go out and, and run a NHRA event, turn right around, hop in a totally different kind of car, and go out there and go deep. So good job to Tyler. Mikey Bloomfield uh, took home 24000 bucks in a shootout. Uh, dragsters are kind of ruling the day at the SFG because uh, then the next day, Corey Galitti takes home another fifty k after taking out John LaBoost Jr., um, only one door car so far in the finals, but Dink Holmes, Dink Holmes is a name that I'd never heard of until the spring fling million, but every single weekend since then, that guy is in the semifinals or the final round. I don't even think he was normally a bracket racer. I think he's just kind of maybe switching over from some heads up stuff. I'm not sure, but that dude is really, really good. And uh, I think everybody in the big money world's on notice from Dink Holmes. So, Great job to him for just, just making it to the, the late rounds pretty much every time. And then Ryan Barnes, young kid, uh, takes out Aaron Dissinger for $500,000. I think uh, they actually wow. ended up with like three fifty. They were a few cars short on the count, I think, but uh, 350000 That's life-changing money for a young guy like that. Maybe the biggest win he'll ever get, you know, certainly the biggest one he's ever gotten. So, wow. Um, Pretty, pretty amazing racing there. And then Bristol, the BTE World Footbreak Challenge. Jared Pennington, Big Jed, puts that race on. And it's always one of my favorite races of the season. True footbreak race. So it's just door cars. Door cars after door cars. Putting them on the chip, you know, and, uh, and letting them fly. And a lot of fun there. Bunch of 15K races back to back to back. Edmund Ellison takes the first one over Corey Griffith, who is a a WFC heavyweight for sure. He's had his car on the on the WFC shirts multiple times. Over 400 entries every single day. Chris Fitton takes down Lucas Walker on Saturday, and then Randy Biddle Jr. on Sunday taking home another 15k. Biddle was like his last his last six passes. I think his worst light was 12. He was 009, 007, 004, just uh, came to play on Sunday, that's for sure. So a lot of money going around, a lot of great racing, and uh, World Foot Break Challenge, one of, the, one of the best big money races of the year, even if it's not the biggest purse. There you go. And then two weeks ago, shout out to uh, Doug Foley Jr., two-seater getting the win, and Michael Beard uh, collecting some checks a couple weeks ago as well. It's like poker, man. It's like poker. The big money bracket racing scene is drawing in people from all around. They're like, well, I got a car and I know how to race and I'm not racing for $350,000. So maybe I should. It's as simple as that. And now, Troy, how close is your car, man? The engine in the car? Are you ready to race? Uh, the engine is in the car. Uh, I am not ready to race, but I have to have that thing on the trailer by three o'clock a week from tomorrow. So uh, I got to finish up some wiring, 
We got a little plumbing to do. We're going to make it. Uh, it's going to be down to the wire, but uh, we're going to make it. And uh, Thursday and Friday, I'll be at Elite Fest. That's put on by Luke Bogacki as part of This Is Bracket Racing Elite, which I'm a member of. So I'll get to work with uh, him and Justin Lamb all day for two days straight, along with a bunch of other experts to help me get my car dialed in, get my starting line process dialed in. And then Saturday, they're all going to hang out and race with us at Woodburn. So, uh, you know, Luke and Justin and a whole bunch of them will be here at Woodburn and, and racing with us on Saturday and uh, hope to turn on a couple wind lights for the for the first time uh, this week, this next weekend at my first race. So Super looking forward exciting. to it. Super exciting, Troy. Way to go. Way to go. Yeah, man. Well, whatever. If you're spending time with those guys, you're going to come out a winner regardless because sure. you'll, you'll have your routine and they'll look at your car and they'll help you and you just listen. And I recommend you record. <laughs> Bring out your phone and record what they say, right? Just in case. Just take in case. It, we'll take it all in, Troy. Take it all in. We'll be, uh, we we'll be cheering you on, buddy. Yeah, man. No bad habits. Yeah, you really, you really should get serious about this, Troy. <laughs> We'll, yeah. well, we'll see after uh, after a weekend racing against Bogak and Lamb. Who I'll probably sell the car. Oh, <laughs> no, uh, no, come on! Not a way to break in a new no. driver. Take uh, your whooping. Just take your whooping. Like you a bunch gotta of remember, Troy. If you want to yeah. be the best, you gotta beat the best. Woo. Doesn't matter who's in that other lane. That's what you gotta do to get there. That's exactly yeah, right. Sure. It'll see be a yellow. good time. See yellow, let go. That's right. The rest is easy. Yeah, you know, yellow. Well, Frank Holly taught me how to cut a light last summer. So, uh, you know, I started out with like two sixties, and by the end of the day, I was cutting twenties. So, uh, if I can, if I can recall on some of the stuff Frank taught me, you know, maybe I won't get completely embarrassed. That's good. That's good. The the worst is going to be when something Frank told you is in direct conflict with something that Bagaki tells you. And then you'll be in trouble. Yeah. Right. Because your head exactly. will, will split. Which, by the way, Sue, right? That's going to happen. That's, that's going to happen. I, I don't know what the it. subject is, but those two great mentors will be in conflict on something and you'll have to choose. Frank's Which heads one? up pro tree guy. So for this stuff, I'm listening to Luke. If I ever have to pick between the two, I'm listening to Bogak. Ah, oh, there you go. Plus, you got okay. a pretty healthy investment over there. Scott says, yeah. Troy, you sound like every other racer. Leave a bunch of work to the last minute. <laughs> It wasn't on purpose, but uh, that's just the way it goes, I guess. I'm learning quick. There you go. All right. Time for Sports Collision. Geo, Sports Collision with our special guest, Phil DeMontmollen, and, of course, the Patreon co-hosts. What do you got? Sports Collision. I guess uh, big in the news this past weekend was uh, the Wimbledon uh, championships are going on over across the pond, so to speak. And uh, Rafa Nadal. Advances to the quarterfinals yesterday, and um, today Joker won his match, advancing to the semifinals. So uh, the two guys on top of the career Grand Slams list uh, are probably, you know, headed to uh, an appearance in the finals, uh, let's see, hopefully at Wimbledon. And uh, we'll have another great match, as uh, we have discussed uh, every time these uh, championships in tennis come up, these Grand Slams that we're uh, lucky to be witnessing an era where, you know, two of the three best of all time are still playing against each other and at a high level. And so that will be settled next weekend. But uh, as throughout the week, you catch uh, all the matches are, you know, on the local ESPNs and all that. They have pretty much on all their family of networks are showing all the tennis across there. And uh, uh, that's going on. Uh, you know, baseball, 
we're getting uh, reaching quickly the halfway point, and um, happy to say that uh, our New York Yankees are still in first place with the best record in the in baseball. And um, you know, at this point, they just got to go 500 the rest of the way, and we'll still win 100 games. And so, let's just uh, hope the bottom doesn't fall out. I am still, uh, as I have been jaded over the last uh, 12, 13 years by uh, Yankee failures. I do believe we do not have enough pitching. I think they need to go out and get a, a you know, another number one starter. But uh, we'll see. I don't think that Cashman feels that way, as we've seen over the years. And, um, you know, the last few weeks have shown us that these guys that they're counting on, uh, while they all have had great seasons, you know, they're not guys that are historically number ones. And, you know, you can never have enough pitching to get through October and win the World Series because, uh, you know, that is the Yankee goal. It's not to get to the playoffs. It's not to get to the World Series. It is to win the World Series. And um, while they do have a great record, I just, you know, I'm hoping we have enough horses to hang on. But, uh, you know, those baseballs going on, the dog days of summer are begun. The All-Star game is uh, coming up next week, I believe. And uh, so baseball's in full swing. NBA free agency has been going on. Oh, my goodness. Forget teaching your kid how to pitch. Teach your kid a jump shot and how to dribble the ball. Oh, my. Salaries are out of control. And uh, I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into the the whole finances of it, but it's a product of that they have a max salary and a max sal- and a salary cap, and so there's not a lot of negotiations when you know young talented guys are up. It's just a matter of are you going to give the guy this guy the max contract? That's it, you know. There's a max contract you can give, and so it's a matter of whether these guys, whether you know, you feel that they deserve it or not. This isn't kind of like NFL or baseball that you have to be at the top of your game to get you know when. Uh, Cole, uh, when Garrett Cole becomes a free agent, he becomes the highest paid pitcher and the highest paid player because he is arguably one of, if not the best pitcher at that time. In the NBA, unfortunately, when these guys become free agents, it's just a matter of if a team wants to keep them, you have to give these guys that max contract. And so that's why you've seen these astronaut uh, crazy numbers. And uh, the NBA, for better or worse, is a player empowerment league. And one thing that I, you know, I don't like unless he's going to come ha- hang out here with the Heat is the fact that all these guys that just signed brand new four and five year extensions haven't even played a full year in their team. And now they're like, all right, well, that sucked. I want out. And here, these are the two or three teams that I want you to trade me to. And it's like, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> we signed a contract here. We had an agreement. You know, you're not giving any of the money back, right? And so so now all of a sudden you just want to go. And so that's a little bit troubling. But uh, yeah, NBA contracts, man, out of control. Guys are getting four and five year extensions worth, you know, 40, 50 million dollars a year. Everybody wants to be an NBA player. Why not? Sign me I up. I'm working on it. I'm going to go put a hoop up. And if I keep working, I will have no chance. Yeah, well, we put the hoop up to the <laughs> official uh, height uh, over the weekend so that, you know. We could uh, try and, uh, and get the kid to, to get used to the, the official height, man, because we had it at the nine feet, you know, so it could be a little easier. But, yeah, um, no. We, we took the tape measure out there and, uh, and put it up at the regulation height, and we painted, uh, you know, stripes on for the free throw and the three-point uh, arc around the, oh, the wow. driveway. And so we got a <laughs> – oh, We're all in now. He's zoning them in. Zoning them baseball in. Season, for him, baseball season is over also, as you know. The Little League uh, Howard Palmetto Yankees did, uh, you know, bring the prelude championship that hopefully the real New York Yankees will be uh, discussing in October, end of October. Wow, wouldn't that be neat? A prelude championship. I actually really like that. I think that works very well 
for all of us. The Prelude Championship for us Yankee fans. Although Monica indicates in the chat section that we're losing at this moment tonight. <laughs> yes, no, they lost. They lost today to the Pirates. I mean, of course, you know. <laughs> what about that other New York team? They're about to get DeGrom back. They've survived without uh, DeGrom and Scherzer. They're still in first place. Yeah. Yes, New York is still on top of the standings, on top of the world, like they always are, like they should be. You know, I mean, let's be honest. You know, it's the, best the city, city that never sleeps, the greatest city on the earth. Absolutely. I, I wanted, I had plans to go to a game this year. At some point, it's kind of not working out though. Uh, Monica says the <laughs> what is it? Sue, the Phillies are kicking butt tonight. Says Monica. Getting, Thank getting, you, Monica. Yes, yeah. I saw Phillies that. Fish. That's awesome. If you did have aspirations to try to go into the city for a game or something, it's just not. You know, first time back to the city since pandemic, but. I don't see it happening, guys. Not all this kinds year. of college football realignment going on. The the geography of the college football world is once again and the landscape changing as uh, California moves back to the East Coast and UCLA and USC are now joined the big uh, whatever, however many teams are going to be in that conference over there with Ohio State and Michigan. And uh, I guess they still call themselves the Big Ten, right? <laughs> Still call themselves the Big Ten, but yeah, USC and UCLA. Even though there's going to the be 10. 14 teams now, I think, but. But, uh, but yeah, so, absolutely. There's I've seen uh, the the Twitter versus uh, Rumorville has uh, got FSU, Clemson, and UM joining the SEC at some point. So who knows? I mean, it's going to be chaos. I like that. This Go whole USC. NIL thing <laughs> has brought in the money, and now it's you know it's chaos. That's all it is. If the if the coaches can leave for money, why can't the, the schools leave for money? I mean, really? Well, and the kids, man, this name, image, and likeness, I think within 10 years, they're just going to be like four super conferences that with the name, image, and likeness, I think they're going to have to all kind of combine together or just a whole bunch of teams are going to get left behind and have to go to D2 or something. This The amount of money these kids are getting now from some of these schools for, for their name, image, likeness deals is it's just insane, and it's well, it's going to throw things off so much. Sponsors, the schools don't actually pay this money, Troy. You see, you're part of the problem. You're not quite educated on the top. <laughs> no, but the <laughs> don't get that money. I can tell you that I know because I have insider knowledge down here. The U is doing this the appropriate way. We have a whole guy named John Ruiz, and his company is down here sponsoring everybody. The U doesn't pay these salary. I'm sorry, these sponsorship. It don't matter who's paying it if, if going to a certain school is the contingency for getting the money. It doesn't matter who's writing the check, man. <laughs> Troy, Troy, Troy. They're, they're, because these guys are being sponsored by these companies. Remember back in the day when guys just used to have nice cars because the guy from the from the auto dealership down the street was lending them the car? Well, now it's yeah, remember. Yeah, back in the day when Patino would just pay him directly. <laughs> well, you know, it, hey, it is, it is. But now the, the schools aren't involved. You see, and that's why that's why Nick is upset because he used to have an advantage when a bag man just used to show up at you know five star prospects house, and now everybody's got their own bag man. Wow. Nice. Well, one can hope that this would uh, take some of the advantage away from Nick. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> All right. I know everybody's trembling because the U is coming back. And everybody knows that one thing in college football is when Miami and USC are good, 
the college football world is unlike anything Let's else. ask Phil DeMontmollen, former University of Miami uh, Sports uh, Administration's director. Uh, I think UM is on the way back, that's for sure. They certainly have a NIL, name, image, and likeness advantage being in South Florida. They've got the right coach in place in Mario Cristobal. Um, the NCAA is starting to snoop around a little bit to see if, you know, rules still have been perhaps bent. Compliance. So, We're in compliance. Yeah, be we careful with some of this. department, Phil. I know, I know how they're doing. You know, remember, John's a lawyer. Yeah, just 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 be careful who you um, you know make your bed with there. But um, yeah, we'll see. I think yeah, it's I, I think Shapiro? it's exciting times for for the Canes, no doubt about it. And I think you're right. When Miami, USC, and let's not forget Notre Dame or Texas are Tom. good, Texas. it, it makes college Dame? football exciting, no <laughs> doubt about it. It, it. Whether you love them or hate them, you know it, it's good for the sport when those big brand names are, are on top and it's not just an sec uh, tournament every, you know, at the end of each year, Georgia and Alabama and occasional LSU or A&M. I agree. I agree. All right. Coming down the home stretch here. Remember, we want to wrap it up before two hour mark, Phil, I'm going to let you uh, give a final thought and then uh, get uh, back to whatever else you're doing. I do appreciate you jumping on to talk about Hank Goldberg. Uh, that was, uh, you know, it was great. Like an insider, someone who cares, someone who understands the industry, all of that. You definitely had some uh, some really interesting anecdotes. Um, final thought here today before you part ways and we blow you out. Yeah, I, I just appreciate <laughs> you, you know, having me on to talk about Hank Goldberg because, you know, he, he made an impact on all sorts of people and, and all sorts of people who are kind of uh, – you know, household names in the in the announcing and sports broadcasting, you know, were were touched by by Hammer, and I don't know if everybody realizes just how far that that reaches. So appreciate that, and you know, I know you guys uh, live with it closely. Do want to give one little plug? You know, I'm, I'm part of a podcast now. The Announcer Schedules podcast can be found on the Sports Media Watch feed, and it's exactly this kind of thing: nerding out to you know, uh, sports broadcasting and behind the scenes and all that. And we actually have a motorsports related guest this week. The show will drop on Thursday. We're taping tomorrow, Wednesday, Rick Allen, the play by play, the lap by lap voice for NASCAR on NBC is going to be joining the show. So we're going to get to know him and his career and, you know, um, some of his uh, preparation and how, he handles, you know, race day and all that. So, um, yeah, just wanted to, to plug our show as well. And, you know, it's, it's just great to be on with you guys. You know, I'm, I'm forever part of, uh, WFO nation. You can, you can count me in anytime. I, I, I love WFO radio and all that it stands for. See, that's so fantastic. But first though, can I understand how this can happen? It's a universe. We are the WFO universe, <laughs> which is so much bigger than a nation and a nation. We are a universe. What is the uh, podcast again, though, Phil? Like, give the Twitter handle, too. I mean, unless you don't want to. Sure. You know? I, yeah. I, it, I think it, is that the one on subs- Twitter by Paulson, Phil? Yep. So you can you can um, listen and subscribe to the podcast by searching Sports Media Watch. It's part of a feed with three different shows. And our show is one of them, along with the Sports Media Watch guys. It's called the Announcer Schedules Podcast on the Sports Media Watch feed. And we also have 
a Twitter feed that, you know, I'm the curator of at announcer skeds. So announcer then S K E D S. And it's kind of an industry go-to source where we share who is announcing the games on a daily basis on national television and national radio. And then also, you know, um, industry happenings in that kind of thing. And it's spun off now into the, the, the podcast. We've had some great guests, like, you know, we, we've got Rick Allen this week, but we had earlier, uh, Larry Colmus, who's the, um, race caller for the triple crown in the Kentucky Derby was on our show. And that was really cool to hear from him. And we've had guys from the ball and stick world as well, but, uh, yeah, you know, appreciate people, you know, checking us out and, uh, we're, we're hoping to do, you know, more and more motorsports beyond having Rick on this week where, you know, we, we expose our audience to, you know, what it takes to be a, uh, motorsports announcer as well. So stay tuned. Yeah. Did you know that Phil was the curator of announcer skeds? I did not know that he was, but I do follow the the sports media watch. And so I do see him tweeting the, the actual announcer schedules for whether it was the basketball games recently and all, all kinds of stuff. Phil is, I do follow that on Twitter. So I, I, I did not know that Phil was the one who was running it. Isn't that great? I found it out is. A it, what a small world, right? Here yeah. we are. I, you know, I follow a site that he runs. Well, this is the thing of the behind the scenes of WFO, right? Like touching all things. Uh, it like feels like, dude, I started this uh, Twitter handle and I just did something that I'm into that I figured nobody else would be into and people are into it. That's what's great about Twitter. That is exactly it. You can create something from nothing and you did a great job, Phil. Thank you for coming on the show once again, Phil. And uh, we'll talk soon. Last thing, it, yeah. whatever anniversary we're celebrating, 13, 14 years, whatever y'all figure out, um, I would love to do a walk down memory lane origin story uh, with you guys on, on as far as WFO radio. I, I think we got to tell some of those stories at some point. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Where's the money? <laughs> I was going to ask for, look, I don't want you to tell the story, but tell me where the story happened and i'm i'm gonna write down i'm thinking of an origin story and i want you to take the one that is most in your mind phil an origin story where did it happen what was the venue for the origin story a dirt track outside of indianapolis yep that's the story okay i figured that's like which story is phil going for hmm yep that's the one. Yeah. Just see, just making sure we're still on the same page. And we are. Good deal. Ooh. One day. Someday. Is that why we've never heard about that one, Phil? Oh. Terra Haute. <laughs> the Terra Haute action track. <laughs> if you were there, I've been you listening were. for 13 years. I hadn't heard uh, that one yet. I have video of that night. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. When do the statue of limitations uh, you know, <laughs> expire that you I can tell the story publicly? I don't know. Well, you know what? I think uh, when we do the show, this has been a dramatic tease. Good job. I think you can tell the story. Like, I think I will abstain from telling the story, but you can tell the story. Well, and Gio would have to assist. He was the videographer through the whole experience. (laughs) Yes. The experience. Exactly. He was. The videographer. Uh, Yeah, I I was the Spo. I I started in the video room, just like Spolstra. You did. 
He started in the video room. That was a, a, what a great experience, though. Oh. Wow. What a wonderful experience at the Terre Haute Action Track. Dirt track racing. Finest he can get, certainly. All right, Phil. Later, buddy. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. See you. Hope everyone will check out his podcast. Phil is into it. We'll replace Phil with Matt Clark from Australia. All right. We're doing final thoughts. We're getting down to the wire. We only have 15 minutes left because this thing has got to be shorter than two hours. So let's go, Matt Clark. What do you got? Let's hear the Australia report. Good day, mate. Good day, mate. <laughs> not, much, not much happening motorsports-wise down here this uh, last week or two, that's for sure. It's been uh, – we're essentially we're moving into winter, so it's um, not it's not that cold, but uh, we've had a lot of rain in um, my town here in Sydney. We've In the last four days, we've had the monthly uh, rainfall each day. Oh, my God. That's so, great. You uh, too much rain. Yeah. Too much rain down there. We don't need Scott McLaughlin, well, your V8 supercar totally guy. Characteristic, uh, Joe. That's for sure. It's this is not normal. The the weather okay. we're experiencing right now. Um, yeah, it's pretty terrible. But uh, yeah, McLaughlin and Will Power as well. I think come second. So Aussie Kiwi one two. Pretty good. Team. Dominating the world. This is like world domination. And, uh, Jack Jack Doohan. One, uh, his first race in Formula Two at Silverstone. Jack is the son of uh, of uh, MotoGP world champion Mick Doohan. So, uh, dominating world. Yeah, she'll be right. From our little, and little, Nick Kyrgios right, won mate. the quarter his quarterfinal match in the in Wimbledon. Yeah, <laughs> he's a bit of and a D, isn't he? <laughs> Well, Let me ask you something, Matt. Say, Yo. Since you know we're running a little short on time, I want to make sure Troy and Bobby Graham get everyone gets their thoughts. I, you know, the, oh, the hangover yeah. stuff kind of did, did, like was gobbling up a, a big part of our time. But gotcha. does the rest of Australia know the work that you are doing in the United yeah. States on behalf of Australia? Because I got to yeah. tell you, I know more about That's Australia. I'm thinking more about Australia. Something is happening. I'm like, I've got friends in Australia. Like it's you, the, the, the country of Australia is much closer to the United States of America, as far as I'm concerned, than they've ever been before, thanks to what you're doing on WFO radio. And the news I get from him, I told my wife, now she wants to go to Sydney now. <laughs> See? <laughs> you should win some sort of award down there. I'm speechless. Thank you. It's I'm totally speechless. true. It's totally I'm true, speechless. Matt. You know. A while back, I was gonna, I was gonna maybe buy a set of heads from Matt, and uh, through a buddy of his, and didn't end up needing to do it. But now my buddy told one of his buddies that he's got a buddy who's got a guy in Australia. So some guy hit me up and was like, he's like, Justin said you got a guy down south. I was like, yeah, I do, you know. And so like, it's all because of Matt. Like people up here think we all got people in high places. Or low places, or whatever. Oh, in the upside down, yeah. Just but we're international because of you, Matt. That's what's oh, that's you. what we're saying, Matt. This is a tribute to you right now in this moment. Uh, you're reaching no, out. To you you belong. To, you should work for the tourist bureau. You no, should. Chamber of Commerce. Take over from Paul Hogan, eh? Yes. Oh. Do, you remember, do you remember those ads? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. What, what would really happen Harvey? though? Is they would probably find a way to like tax or penalize Matt for the words spoken 
over the internet for a broadcast. Uh, Matt, are you receiving compensation for this acting job you have in the United States? Well, actually, no, I'm just a character on this podcast. Oh, really? Uh, no. No, I work for Joe Costello. And they go, oh, yeah, okay. No. <laughs> Dragster Jeff says, Matt, my guy down under. That's it. We all agree. Everybody's got their guy down under, and it's Matt in Australia. I just saw this, Troy. The Canes are going to finish below 500, 22 and, two, get it, and, 22 and 23. You, I you remember there's a way. You didn't catch Geo raising the flag? I saw the flag. <laughs> I just didn't know what it was in reference to. Now I know. Now I know. Yeah, and I don't know why crazy. you guys think that paying these kids millions of dollars on the up and ups any different than paying them millions of dollars behind the scenes. It's going to be the same old same. Same old, same. No, and whoever thought paying 18-year-old kids millions of dollars to come to Miami was going to be good for football. Like, they're not going to shoot. They're going to be partying. You know, settle down. It's, it's like, a, you know, thousands, maybe, a, you know, a hundo. These guys are not getting millions of dollars. You know, let's just settle down here. Everybody... It's, you know, this stuff was going on behind the scenes. Now it's out in the open and everybody's on, on equal footing. I think it's it's better this way. Like prohibition. I'm with not the saying it, this is a, a panacea or a cure-all. This is the NCAA's fault. These guys have been making billions of dollars for decades off of these kids and never once thought that, oh, yeah, you know, something should trickle down to these poor kids besides, like, some lunch money. You know, During prohibition, the only people who were making money off the alcohol were the Al Capones and all the people who were willing to take the risk and all that. And then you legalize it and look, every, you know, liquor stores and an average person can go get a liquor license and make money. So, you know, prohibition, prohibition doesn't work. Six and seven. They're going six and seven. Wow. Oh, you know, Troy, that's why we love you, man, because you bring bring it back to what's important to the fact that you're going to be sending Gio some more money, you know, start of the year, middle of, Did the, that year, happen? of the year. Did that He's happen? Still, he won't give me his address or PayPal. No, He's supposed to hang it over my like, head. A, a, you know, accuse him of not paying the bill yet. I'll give it to you, Troy. Troy I'll he give wants it to hang it over my head. It's Bush League. I'll give you the PO box and you can send it here. It's much better for the show if he hasn't paid so that I can just lose my mind every few weeks or so. Once, it, once I remember, you see? But and Detroit's not a bet He's not a bet All right, so the audio has gotten a little weird on us, guys. So let's do final thoughts, starting with Troy. What do you got, Troy? Uh, big week. I'm, I'm, you see me, I'm in the truck. I got to travel for work today and a little bit tomorrow. Then uh, back to it for a mad dash to get on the track. I appreciate everybody's support uh, over the last few months. And uh, if I have any words of wisdom, what I've learned over the last few weeks, uh, if the vice grips don't work, you get bigger vice grips. If it's in the way, you hit it with a hammer. And if it's still in the way, you get out the cutting torch. So uh, those are those are the words I've been living by for the last week or so. And we'll continue to do so until uh, until they quit to serve me well. I love it. I love Troy, it. Thank you. Have a good week. WFO, y'all. WFO, and I'm going fast, guys, because I see that we got 10 minutes. We got a bunch of words of wisdom to get in. Oh, nice. But I like that T-shirt, Steve Brenwald, Vice Grips, Hammer, Torch, WFO. Bobby Graham, what do you got for us? Okay. A lot of announcers owe Danica an apology when they used to throw up all this that she was doing wrong by when she got in a wreck. She put her hands up. That's the best thing you can do. Turn loose of the wheel when something happens. 
because it's much better than trying to hold on to it and squealing like a pig. I must have missed something. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't. I hit the steering wheel. Oh, really? You got in a crash? Well, I was going about three or four miles an hour and hit a hidden stump hole in a dump truck and a wheel spun. Oh, my God. And got my hand caught in. Ouch. Is any permanent damage? And it doesn't take much. No, we fixed the bolt and the axle. We almost sheared the bolt and the axle. It meant to your hand. <laughs> I know. I know, you know. No, it, it either broke or fractured something, but it, it'll heal. All right. Anything else, Bobby? And my dad, I was probably watching this. He's going to be like, you didn't let Bobby Graham talk enough. I, I talk plenty. He just doesn't know me. He, you need to bring him out to the race. I'll talk to him. All right. All right. He'll have personal time with Bobby Graham. All right, Matt, right. Matt, Matt Clark, final thought. Well, on a personal I, I hang on I, I hang under the steering wheel and squealed like a pig when I crashed. But anyway, <laughs> and I wasn't doing three miles an hour. It was probably more like 130 miles an hour. But anyway, that's another story. Um, uh, I just wanted to say thanks. You guys have put a smile on my face for the first time in about a week. And uh, a uh, very wise man from... Uh, the other side of the planet said to me, uh, you just need to live a positive life and uh, being part of WFO makes me have a positive life. So thanks, guys. Wow, Matt, thank you so much. No, listen, everybody feels that way about uh, Matt Matt uh, Clark. Who, he's like, all right, I'm out. Just like that. All right, Sue, what do you got? Well, I just want to wish everybody, hope everybody has a great week. Uh, we just got off the Independence day weekend which was fabulous we were out in henderson north carolina saw some interesting sights out there hee-haw is all i have to say uh headed out to the races this weekend weather permitting uh but i I have to say we were at union dragway the other weekend and all of a sudden they're announcing dave is super street dave i'm like yo he's not super street dave you can call him super dave because he runs all the super classes but they call him super street so we got to fix that. But no, I think you that. just fixed it. I think he's Super Dave now because there's so many great Super Dave Osborne bits. That's right. If Dave Morris is down to do a Super Dave Osborne, we can make that thing happen right away. He's in Super Gas. He's That's in right. Super Comp. He right. runs Super Street. He's, he's Super, Super Dave. Pro. I mean, he's done it. Let it be written. It's, uh, it's uh, happening. All right. It's a done deal. Super Dave. Okay, next. <laughs> but now, hope everybody has an awesome week. Go WFO. And uh, don't forget to watch your SRX. That series is just heating up every week. It's awesome. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> Tony got very mad at Ernie Francis. Yep. And uh, we watched last week. Last week was very good. I, I like it. Saturday night racing. It's very fun. Everyone's very excited. It's good. Good stuff. All right, Sue, thank you so much. And again, to everybody, I wish we could have participated longer. But, you know, the passing of Hank Goldberg. Hopefully you were a little interested in the, uh, you know, the behind the scenes Miami radio thing that happened that spawned all of this and some really good stuff, too. Giovanni, final thought. Um, Just, you know, coming off of the Independence Day weekend, I uh, hope everybody had a great time and uh, appreciate, you know, the wonderful liberties that we do have. And uh, while we still have some left. WFO, everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy the races this week. There it is. Thank you Thank for you uh, listening to our little story of how it is. Uh, you know, this whole Hank Goldberg thing is really a 
part of how Joe and I came to be friends because we did meet at that same rat infested, bug infested uh, radio studios that Hank and everybody down here that apparently, you know, really paid their dues going through there. And so Joe and I spent many, many a morning uh, over there. And that's how this friendship blossomed into this whole WFO thing. So in Absolutely. a weird kind of way, uh, thank you, Hank. We do uh, appreciate hanging out with you all those times. And uh, listen, when fun. you call the, they call the guy the humper, right? Like it's in with love. Like the guy was something special. He was a radio celebrity. He was a radio star at a time. There was no internet. There was no iPhone. There was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. There was no YouTube. There was none of that stuff. The guy was getting paid like $350,000 a year to get in there and go in eh, beverages. The guy knew Jimmy the Greek. The guy knew Howard Cosell. The guy knew everyone. And he did have his 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 act, his routine, whatever it was he did worked that got him to where hey, he stupid. was. Remember that? Hey, stupid. <laughs> That's exactly right. He wouldn't want to call it, would be like, Yeah, but don't you think that they should trade this guy and this guy and this guy for a bag of balls and some sticks and stuff? And he'd be like, Hey, stupid. No, he did not allow any nonsense on his show. Now he wasn't always right, and he wasn't always a good person, like my great friend Miguel, you know, Miguel. Miguel got into a near physical conflict with him at the stadium. And I'm getting all of those stories too. Um, everyone's got their own universe. And that will be my words of wisdom. My final thought is guys, here's the deal. Everyone has their own view, their own perspective, your little life. And you're absolutely right and entitled to have whatever your feelings are, but that doesn't make them the only truth. And everybody's got their own truth. And what is the truth as opposed to your own truth is really debatable as to who saw it, what happened, what was recorded, what the facts are in the moment. Right. And it, that might even change. And hearing people talk about Hank today kind of made me feel that like, wow, everybody kind of creates their own truth. And even there's some revisionist truth. And that's just the way it goes. So always work on your truth. Try to have it stay the same as what it was is what it is and do your best and live your life WFO, everyone have a great week all the all world right, is indeed a stage my friend there goes bobby graham there goes sue thank you sue say hi to super dave and giovanni and i'm getting out of here because we're closing in on the two hour mark which then doesn't allow me to stream the show and i got to go through a bunch of extra work so we don't want that all right what do we have we have chris thorne tomorrow we got Robert Height next week. All kinds of good stuff happening on WFO. Big thanks to our sponsors like Torque Calibration Services of Australia, like Marvin Rodax, coffeeandgrills.com, Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School, who taught Troy how to leave on a pro tree, samtech.edu, Phillips, Total Seal, VP, and of course, FTI Performance Transmissions. These are the people who make it possible for me to go WFO. Have a great week, everybody. Don't forget, check out the archive. This is WFO Radio. Yeah, welcome to the party. Bye, bye, bye. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers do not necessarily reflect that of the station ownership, advertisers, or agencies.